Thanks, Mark, for leading us in song this morning, and thank you for singing. I do want to also let you know that um, the new chief from the Preble Fire Department was uh, planning on being here this morning. Um, I saw him yesterday at the, as always, magnificent chicken barbecue that they put on for us. Um, but um, his sister showed up unexpectedly this morning, so um, he's not able to join us, and he sends his apologies for that. All right. So, um, for na- uh, First Responder Sunday, um, we've done things for our community uh, in the past with regard to first responders. We've done pies for police and cookies for cops and all of that. We've done uh, the fundraiser for the, for the fire department. Um, and it's our privilege to be able to just encourage you and um, help support you in whatever ways we can. Um, and so our, our service this morning is kind of dedicated to saying thank you to the first responders who are part of our, um, our, our community. And there's, there's many others that are um, part of our community that serve us in lots of ways. Uh, we just chose our, of course, Preble Fire Department because we have a good relationship with them. And then um, it seems like when I call um, and say, hey, there's a problem at the church, it's the sheriff's department mostly that shows up. Um, and so we reached out to them. Uh, and we're just thankful for your um, taking care of the church the way that you do in so many ways. And uh, we're just, uh, uh, again, saying thank you this morning for that. So welcome to our services and thank you for coming. Several of you are here today because you were invited, because you are a first responder. Now, when I started thinking about what I was going to preach this morning on First Responder Sunday, and, and let me tell you, we do understand that this is not the National First Responders Day. That's in October. We got a lot going on in October. Not that we don't have a lot going on right now. If we, if we knew what was going on when we planned this, we probably wouldn't have planned it for today, but we did. Uh, and so um, we're, we're happy to um, welcome you to our services. But um, National First Responders Day is in October, uh, where our, our country literally says thank you to all of the first responders. Um, but we wanted to do something special from us today and just to, to extend our gratitude for all that you do. Um, we want you to know that you are very much appreciated and we understand the significant role that you play in our communities. Um, and let me uh, tell you, as I was preparing the message this morning, I began to think about when did this term first responders first come into play? Um, I don't ever remember hearing about first responders when I was growing up. I mean, there were firemen and there were police officers. And I remember there was a point in my life when I was growing up, I wanted to be a fireman. And then I thought, well, maybe a police officer, that would be too, that would be cool as well. Um, obviously, I didn't end up in either one of those roles. Um, but um, first responders, when did that term first come into um, play as a, something that we use all the time? Because we, we do, we use it all the time. We talk about first responders and, and how grateful we are for them. And as I did a little bit of research on that, it became apparent to me that the word first responders first came into use um, on that tragic day in September, uh, September on 9-11. And they were called first responders. Why? Because when everybody else was running out, they were running in. 
And they were, they were the first ones on the scene. Nobody knew what was going on. I mean, obviously they knew that planes had, been, had crashed into buildings, but nobody knew why or, or, or anything like that. And, and yet they selflessly ran into those buildings to serve and to protect. And that's the motto of our first responders, to serve and to protect. Um, and so uh, this idea of first responders, why are they called such? Well, when you're in trouble... There's, it isn't amazing that we're at a place, and we have been for quite a while now in history, where you can, you can pick up your phone that we all carry with us, and you can, even if you don't have service, you can dial 911, and you know that somebody's going to come to your aid. Somebody's going to come and help you, and somebody's going to come and serve you. And in fact, they probably know exactly where you are. You might not even have to tell them where you are because of the fact that this 911 is in place for our first responders. Um, and so as we recognize first responders this morning, let's first of all talk about who they are. Well, they are our policemen. They are our firemen. They are our EMTs. They are even our 911 dispatchers are considered first responders. You know, many times when you call that number 911, It's the, it's the person who answers the phone, who talks you through a lot of things that, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. And, and it might be a few minutes before somebody can get there, but while you're waiting, do this and do that. They respond to your need. And, and you know what? We don't call 911 unless we have a need. And in fact, it's not just any need. It's what we would classify as an emergency. An emergency. Now, I do understand that that word emergency maybe doesn't mean quite what it used to. Um, you don't, you go to the emergency room for almost anything these days. My, my wife, something happened a couple of weeks ago and I, I guess, yeah, I was, a, and I had to go to see the doctor and it was a Saturday and I tried to think about what, how am I going to get to go see a doctor? And I didn't, I'm not a fan of the urgent care down there in court. At least I wasn't. I'm more of a fan now after going there. But I thought, she said, well, just go to the emergency room. I said, not going to the emergency room. It's not an emergency. You see, emergency is there's a dire circumstance. It's something that's, you know, if you don't take care of it, it's, it's going to lead to something far, far worse. And maybe even result in death. To me, that's what an emergency is. And that's when these first responders step up and step in. When there's an emergency. I remember um, one time in South Africa, I, got, I, I, I stopped. I was, we were running errands, and, and I stopped home to, um, to put the garbage out because I forgot to put the garbage out. And I opened the door, and the dog is barking like crazy. What is wrong with this dog? It never barks. And so I told the dog, be quiet. And the dog looks at me. He's like, I got something to tell you, dummy. Listen to what I'm saying. And, and he kept barking. And, I, and finally, he walked back to the back of the house. And I said, what do you want? And so I walked back. And I looked down the hallway. And there were three guys standing in the bedroom. They had broken into the house. I didn't know what to do. So stupid me. I chased. I ran down the hallway after them. And they looked at me. And I looked at them. And they ran out. And one guy, they're all jumping over the fence. So I grabbed one guy by the leg. And I'm going to, now what am I going to do? I got this guy by the foot. What am I going to do? So I, my brain finally kicked in. I said, well, there's three of them and only one of me. You better let them go. So I did. But I went back in the house, and I didn't call 911 because they don't have that over there, but they have 10111. That's the number, 10111. And what you get when you dial that is what they call the flying squad. You know why it's called flying squad? Because they're supposed to get there quicker than anybody else. All right? So I called, actually I called my deacon, because I didn't know what number to dial. And he, he says, okay, I'm on my way. And he yells to his wife as he's running out the door, call, call 10111, somebody broke into pastor's house. 
So he gets there and right behind him gets three police cars. The flying squad showed up. It was an emergency. Well, not really because they were already gone, but he didn't know that. He thought that they were still there. So here we have the need of an emergency and we have these people who step up and take care of the needs that we have. I like the way the national day calendar people describe a first responder. Listen to this. It says, first responders dedicate their lives to save lives. They are the people who run toward a crisis while the rest of the world flees. According to the Department of Homeland Security, 4.6 million career and volunteer first responders support the communities where they live. 4.6 million. Thank you to each one of those 4.6 million. Um, goes on to say, they are firefighters, police, emergency medical technicians, EMTs, paramedics, and 911 operators. In an emergency, they're the first on the scene. These dedicated professionals answer the call when a crisis arises, often putting their own lives on the line. Wow. How many of us are willing to stand in that role? Well, we have a couple of them scattered around here this morning. Again, as I was studying to prepare for this, I found a letter written to the American public by Greg Fries. I'd like to read that letter to you this morning. You find some of it on your note page. Um, it's, it's entitled, an appreciation, Appreciate Our First Responders Every Day. The letter's dated October 26, 2022. These are challenging times, he says, to be a first responder. Your support is welcome and appreciated. For several years, October 28th has been recognized as National First Responders Day with congressional resolutions, state and local government resolutions, other accolades, plus discounts and promotions at stores and restaurants. All those things sound terrific and are likely graciously received by our police officers, firefighters, EMTs, and paramedics. If they have the time to pause for a moment to read the news, open their email, or check their social media feeds. Our nation's first responders are busier than ever before. I am sure you see some of the headlines. Crime is increasing and EMS is the, is the health care safety net for millions of Americans. Headlines you probably don't see because most first responders don't want to draw attention to themselves or appear ungrateful or unprepared is that we are experiencing unprecedented levels of traumatic stress that... Our departments are struggling to retain members, and there aren't enough people in line to become public servants to cover regular retirements, let alone the early retirements, and people leaving the career after just a few years because they are so physically or mentally injured that they are unable to continue. He talks about physical and emotional challenges. The first responder in your community are on duty 24-7, 365. They might get a break when their shift ends, but the work never ends. It's nearly impossible to leave work at work because the work of the responding to and caring for others. Often their worst moment isn't easily forgotten or paused simply by leaving work. Our first responders see and hear things most of us never want to even imagine. Because of shift work schedules, many first responders are working 48 hours or more per week. The constant shift holdovers and nearly unlimited overtime requests, which sound great until you actually are regularly working 60 plus hours per week. Keep our first responders from their friends and families, as well as the hobbies and varied interests that can help keep them physically and mentally healthy. 
The set of skills required for this work while under constant scrutiny from regulators, politicians, and the media is complex and dynamic. We've asked a lot of our first responders to be on the front lines of a global pandemic, widespread civil unrest, and natural disasters. It's a lot that we're asking of these folks. Recognizing and appreciating first responders, Freeze goes on to say, the public safety system is under tremendous stress and good people are doing the best they can with the resources available to them. Knowing that most first responders chose to be first responders because they want to help others and serve their community is the first step to recognizing National First Responders Day. Here are seven other things you can do to support your local, state, and federal first responders. These are the seven things that are on your list. Um, and I want to encourage you as I read through these things, think about how you can begin implementing these things in your life and in our community. First one's very easy. Wave, smile, share a warm greeting, and start a conversation. Ask the challenges and rewards of being a first responder. Ask what they need to do their job better and more safely. Show a genuine concern in what's going on in their lives. Number two, handwrite a card or letter of appreciation. While this is a great activity for school children, thank you notes are welcome from anyone of any age. That's why we asked you to send or to write thank you notes to give to the deputies on the road patrol to go with the cards that we sent out to them. Number three, connect with your first responder agencies on social channels. Like their pages, comment and engage, especially on the posts recognizing notable, notable accomplishments and achievements. I don't know if the fire department has a, a Facebook page or not, but I know that the sheriff's department does. Um, and so... Check it out. See what's going on. Keep abreast of the things that are happening in their uh, fields of service and, and like them when you can. I know that the Sheriff's Department stopped allowing posts on their, on their uh, comments on their posts uh, because they had to, but um, just, to, just it doesn't hurt to, to like it and to, and to just reach out and let them know that you appreciate them. Number four, participate in events that connect citizens and first responders. Be on lookout for opportunities like these. Coffee with the cop, an open house, a citizen's academy, and memorial stair climbs in support of first responder charities. Number five, visit local, state, and national memorials for fallen paramedics, law enforcement officers, and firefighters. Number six, attend local department fundraising events and donate to first responder fundraisers as well as charities that support the families of the fallen, including the National Law Enforcement Memorial Fund, National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, and National EMS Memorial Foundation. And number seven, finally, vote for candidates who support who are ongoing, who are going to support funding for public safety so the first responders in your community have the equipment and training they need to help you while also keeping themselves safe. No fire department should have to sell pancakes to buy a fire truck. EMTs and paramedics should not have to work three jobs to make a living wage, let alone a thriving wage, and our police should not have to buy their own ammunition to practice for annual firearm qualification. So vote for those who, as we say, support the blue or support our fire department, who make it possible for our organizations that serve and protect to do their job to the best of their abilities. He concludes with this paragraph. It has never been easy to be a first responder, 
but the job right now is as challenging as it has ever been. If you feel called to serve your community, ask how you can join your department as a full-time member or employee or serve in an auxiliary or support role. Your interest and involvement will be appreciated. I didn't ask these guys, but I think they might say, yes, we would appreciate anything you guys can do to assist and to help. So as we think about first responders, I want us to think about what we appreciate most about these men and women who pledge to serve and protect. So what, when you hear the word first responder, what do you think of? What comes to your mind? Just go ahead and shout some things out for us this morning. Danger. Danger. What else? Barry? A lot of work. A lot of work. Hours and hours. Bravery. Resilience. Sacrifice. Resilience. Bonnie? Loyalty. Loyalty. Bravery. Bravery again, yeah. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Compassion. Compassion. I looked up, a, there was a poll that was taken, and, and, and what do you think of, what are the characteristics of a first responder? Here, here's the results of the poll. It says first responders are selfless, they are brave, they are sleep deprived, okay? They are indispensable. First responders sacrifice a lot. They are priceless. They are loved. Now, we might not tell them that very often, but they certainly are loved. The, they have integrity. They are resilient. They are compassionate. They are funny. And that doesn't just mean funny looking, right, Mike? Um, they are funny. They are empathetic. They are eager to learn. They are serving from a calling on their heart. Most of these guys that do this and ladies that do this, they do this because they won't be satisfied doing anything else. Like it says, it's a calling upon their heart. They are prayed for always. And I can tell you that I still pray whenever we hear the fire whistle go off. I still pray for you guys wherever you're going. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but we pray for you. And we've encouraged our church family that when they hear the fire whistle, to pray for whatever the response is that's needed at that point in time. They have mental agility. First responders are needed. First responders are so caring. First responders are comforting in the sense that once they arrive on scene, everyone is relieved that help has arrived. First responders choose to be there on someone else's worst day, doing what we can make doing what we can to make it a little better, a little easier for them. That's the mindset. What can we do to make it better for you today? I think your characteristics that you gave and the ones listed here are the reasons why first responders should be appreciated, honored, and respected by all. I can't stress enough, you've heard me say it in sermons before, that, that we need to respect and appreciate and honor those people who serve us. Does that mean every 100% of police officers are perfect? No. And I think Sheriff Helms would probably agree with that. There's a bad egg here and there, but there's, there's ways to take care of that. And so what do we do? We support and we pray and we help in ways that we can. 
All these qualities are important for first responders. In fact, they embody many of these qualities. And as I was reading through the list, I also noticed that many of these same qualities are found in who I'm going to call this morning the ultimate first responder, okay? At the bottom of the list, we read regarding qualities of first responders, comforting. Once they arrive, there is relief. doesn't mean that all the problems are going to go away, but at least there's somebody on scene who knows what to do and, and how to handle, at least better than I do, because I, you know, in a, in a dire situation, I might not know how to respond to it, but the first responders are trained to know how to respond. The last one that they chose uh, on the poll was to be on someone's worst day, um, to be there for somebody on their worst day. No matter what it is, they don't, they don't pick up the phone and say, um, can you tell me what it is before I come? No, they just go. They just get there. They just arrive on scene. So um, you can see on your note page, I have three things that I think um, are important for first responders. Number one, quick, the first responders are quick to hear cries for help. Quick to hear cries for help. Now, you might say, well, last time I called, it took them 20 minutes to get there. Well, that's because they were responding to several others before they got to yours. And, and as the sheriff said, we're short. They're short on staff. They need more people. So don't just think that they're out on a coffee break because I can tell you that's not where they are. If, that's, if, they, get, if they get a minute to stop and grab a, a bite to eat or a cup of coffee, they probably don't get to finish it if the 911 call comes through. They drop what they're doing and they go. They're on their way. They're quick to hear cries for help. When you have an emergency, you call for help, you surely want someone to hear you. When you dial 911, you want someone to come. When we cry out to our great God, you know what? He's also quick to hear our cries. Our ultimate first responder, it won't surprise you this morning, I'm going to tell you his name is Jesus. And he is there for us all the time. He hears our cries. Scripture is full of passages that tell us that God hears and he's quick to respond. Some of them include Psalm 5-2 where the psalmist writes, Give attention to my cry, my King and my God, for, you, for to you do I pray. Give attention, hear me, O God. When we call 911 and they send the people to respond, we say, listen, this is the problem. We don't expect them to get there and, and just run about doing whatever floats their boat. We want them to know what the problem is so they listen to us and then they act upon the need. Quick to hear and quick to reply. Psalm 27.7 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. 28.1 and 2. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Do not be deaf lest if you be silent, I may become like those who go down to the pit. In other words, those who die. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Hear me, O God. Psalm 141.1, O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to hear me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. And then the prophet Isaiah in chapter 30 of verse 19, he says, For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. He's the ultimate first responder. The Lord does hear. Psalm 3 verse 4, David says, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered. He heard me from his holy hill. 
And then in 22, verses 4 and 5, In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. I can tell you that every time, I haven't had to do it very often, but every time I've had to cry out to uh, 911 for a response, there's always been a response. Somebody has always showed up. Somebody has always come to address the problem, the emergency situation. When we think of first responders, we often think of need and emergencies. You don't call 911 unless it's an emergency, or at least you shouldn't. If you can take care of the problem yourself, you try to do that. There's there's a need within humanity. I think we would all agree with that. We look around our society and things aren't getting better, are they? I won't go down the tangent of how that disproves the idea of evolution, okay? Because evolution says things are getting better, 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 better. No, you look around and you say, wow, it surely wasn't like this five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's getting worse. Read the book of Jude and you'll find out that the Bible says the same thing. So there's this need within humanity that cannot be cared for by any human, It requires a call for help. We have to cry out to have this need met. Paul talks about it a lot in the book of Romans. In chapter 3, Paul sets up the need by telling the Romans and the rest of us this. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Three chapters later, we see a spiritual 911 call, if you will. Paul says this, for the wages of sin is death. Now, We could ask any of these folks that are sitting in the room this morning, and if they hear about an impending death, what are they going to do? They're going to take whatever steps necessary to help prevent that from happening. So when when Paul says the wages of sin is death, uh, that's the call going out, and the dispatcher receives the call, and and they they take it very seriously. Hey, listen, we got to deal with this. we got to prevent this. We can't let this happen. There's nothing more serious for a first responder than the idea of someone dying. When the dispatcher lets that, puts the call out to whoever's going to respond, they tell them, hey, this is a serious matter, possible death involved here. And so they step up the response, they speed it up, they get there quicker. Now, going back to that list that we talked about, there are words like brave, integrity, resilient, compassionate, mental agility, caring. We could add to those words the fact that the first responders are not just sent out in their own knowledge. First responders, before they are sent out, are well-trained. They need to know how to respond to the different situations they might come in contact with, that they might encounter. They, they've graduated from an academy, perhaps, or some sort of other specific type of training. That brings us to the next thing. Not only are they quick to hear our cries for help, excuse me, but first responders are qualified to meet needs. They're qualified to meet the needs that they might encounter. We could go around the room this morning and ask our guests to tell us how much training they've had to be at the point where they are today. We're not going to do that. It's safe to say, though, that these men and women who serve our communities are not amateurs. They're well-trained at what they do. They're well-trained to carry out the sacrifices to serve and protect you and I and all the others that live in our community. I know that when Micah was hit by a, by a car and he was on his motorcycle, um, 
and, and somebody stopped and they dialed 911. It didn't take long for the Preble Fire Department to come and, and, and arrive on scene. And they say, oh, no, this is Pastor Son. We got to do this and this and this. They're, they're taking care of them. And then the police showed up. Took them a little longer because they're a little bit further away. But they all showed up to help with the need that was there. And, and you know what they did, first of all? He's going to be okay. He, they assured us. It, it, yes, it was an accident. And yes, he was thrown from the bike. But he's going to be okay. And, and so we got there and we were able to talk with them before they took him off to the um, hospital. But they assessed his need. They immobilized him. And then they transported him to the hospital where he was cared for. At the same time, assuring us that, hey, it's going to be okay. They, they, qual- they were qualified to do all of those things. We talk about great needs that we have in our society. Mankind has a great need. They need to be saved from sin. But who can save them? No matter how hard man tries, no matter how hard they work at it, he or she cannot save himself or herself. Alistair Begg explains it well. He says, Jesus stands out among other figures of history, religion, and humanity since he alone possesses the qualifications to be the savior of our world. His coming isn't regarded by the apostles, um, by the apostle Paul as an accidental intervention. It was a divine appointment. When Paul says God sent forth his son, he implies that he was sent out from a previous state of existence. Jesus' life didn't begin when he was born of a woman as a child in Bethlehem. He was, born, he was before time itself began, John 1, 1 through 3. Without ceasing to be what he was, namely God, he became what he was not, namely a man born under the law, owing the Father full and perfect obedience which he alone and the great mass of humanity throughout all the ages achieved. If God, listen to this part, this is important. You have to listen carefully. If God would save, then the Savior must be God. If a man must bear the punishment because man sinned, then the Savior must be a man. If the man who bears the punishment of sin must himself be sinless, then who other than Jesus Christ meets the qualifications? Jesus was uniquely qualified to accomplish God's plan of salvation. Just like the first responders were uniquely qualified to meet the needs that Micah had when he was hit by the car. They came, they took care of him, and they sent him back. He sent him up to the hospital. We were so grateful for them that night. Jesus is the one who is qualified to take care of the need that everyone who has ever been born into this world except for Jesus has a need to be cared for. And that's the need of sin. Listen to the words of the Apostle John as he talks about um, Jesus and how Jesus is our Savior. He says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the solution for the wages of sin? Wages of sin is what? What's the solution for death? Life. Life. The alternative to death is life. So God sent his son into the world that we might live 
through Jesus. In verse 14 of 1 John chapter 4, he says, And we have seen and testify that the Father sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. We are his representatives. We are those who have been trained to go out. You know, he said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth, and I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, all that I have taught you, and remember this, I will be with you all the time. So we have been charged by God to be his representatives in this world that is so needy. We are very thankful for our first responders who, who respond to the physical, emotional needs that we have and the crises we face in life. But there is only one first responder, Jesus, who can meet the spiritual needs that we have. You and I have been told to be ministers uh, those who hand out that reconciliation on behalf of God. And lastly, I want you to see that the ultimate first responder is able to quicken. Okay, The ultimate first responder is able to quicken. So, first of all, they were quick to hear our cries. Secondly, they're qualified to meet our needs. And then this one Jesus is able to quicken. I love the old King James translation of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul writes, And you hath he quickened. You know what that word means. It doesn't mean that if you're running the, 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 the 100 meter dash that he's able to make you a little faster doing that. That's not what the word quickened means. You hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Can I ask you a question? What do dead people do? Nothing. They don't. They can't because they're dead. So in order for them to do something, they have to be what? Made alive. And that's what that word quickens means. You hath he made alive who was dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then in verse 5 he says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Paul goes on to explain the extent of the rescue that Jesus provided. In verse 6 he says, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. You who were dead have been made alive. You who were far away have been brought near. Why or how? Through the first responder of Jesus. You see, mankind needed a Savior. I needed a Savior. You needed a Savior. And God knew that the only way to save mankind was through His Son. And it would happen on a cross. A place that was reserved for criminals. Jesus took the punishment for sin. He took the wages of sin upon himself when he hung on the cross so that you and I could be made alive. 
You see, as qualified as our first responders that are here this morning are, and as, and as much as we appreciate them, if they arrive on scene and someone has already died, unfortunately, there's nothing that they can do to make them alive again. Yes, they do CPR and they do whatever life-saving measures. That's what they're called, life-saving measures, because they cannot restore life once an individual has died. Their job to serve and protect, to do whatever they can to preserve life, to try to keep people alive till they can get to a hospital where even at the hospital, there are times when they can't be saved. The injuries are too bad. But Jesus, the ultimate first responder, he will save all of those. And I'm not talking about physical salvation. Remember I said it was a spiritual 911 call that has been placed. I'm talking about spiritual salvation. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 7, we read, Therefore he, that he there is Jesus, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. There is complete salvation to those who come to Jesus for the rescue, who need to be saved. You see, when we reach out to our first responders, we are hoping that they might help make our day a little better because there's something bad that's going on in our lives. I want to read the words to a song for you uh, by Shane and Shane. It's called, you, You've Already Won. And, and you know, when the first responders show up, they're trying to help us get through the most difficult part of our day, maybe even our life physically. Jesus does that for us spiritually. There's peace that outlasts darkness, hope that's in the blood. There's future grace that's mine today that Jesus Christ has won. So I can face tomorrow, for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need you will provide, just like you always have. And I'm fighting a battle you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done, and I'm fighting a battle you've already won. There's mercy in the waiting, manna for today, and when it's gone, I know you're not. You are my hope and stay. When the sea is raging, your spirit is my help. He'll fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. I'll say that it is well. Oh, I know that it is well. I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. You're the one who saves. You're my savior, my defense, so we don't have to be afraid. You know, we call 911. Why? Because we're afraid. We don't know the outcome. I don't have to be afraid. No more fear in life or death. I know how the story ends. We'll be with you. We will be with you again. You're my savior, my defense. No more fear. No more fear in life or death. All right, y'all, with everything you've got, here we go. I know how the story ends. We will be with you. Isn't that what we want when we, when we need help, we need a rescue? We want to know that we'll be able to face tomorrow, that, that tomorrow won't be taken away from us. And so if you're here this morning, I can encourage you that when you're in a time of need physically, you can call 911. But if you're in a time of need spiritually, the way to get help is through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's always there reaching out for you, wanting you to respond to his cry of offering help to you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we do want to 